colorful ones. We're back again with another episode of Colorful Lives presented by State Farm to help you increase your financial IQ and to bring your career, business, and life to the next level. Now, maybe you're new to the podcast or maybe you've been listening, you're a longtime listener, but we are switching things up a little bit this time. So we want to make sure we let you know what you can expect. Now, I am Angela Yee. And you know me from The Breakfast Club. Also, I have a podcast on the Loudspeaker Network as well called Lip Service. And a lot of other ventures that I've been doing. I have a juice bar in Brooklyn called Juices for Life BK, which I co-own with DJ MV and Styles P. I also have my book club. And I have a Wealth Wednesday event that I do once a month where we talk about finances at the juice bar as well as a multitude of other things and Hi, I'm Aminatu So. Uh, I'm just an Angela Yee fan. That's why I'm here. Not at um, all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I co-host a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend that you might have heard of. And I run a group for women in tech called the Tech Lady Mafia and a host of other things. And I love being an entrepreneur and running small business. It's pretty fun. The hustle is real. One of the biggest things that we heard from listeners of Colorful Lives is that they feel that they're not in control of their financial futures and we really want to help fix that one of the goals is to help you increase your financial iq take your careers your businesses your lives your relationships everything to the next level and that's always a work in progress for me so that's why i'm happy that i'm here with amina because i know you're going to help me out a lot right Sure, we're going to help each other. That's the goal. Now, during this six-episode series, we're going to explore real-life stories of financial success and entrepreneurial empowerment. And we'll also hear from experts in the space who know about making shmoney moves and can help give you tips and some tricks to take charge of your financial lives. Well, Happy New Year. Let's get this money. Yeah, we got to say shmoney. Shmoney. No, I'm kidding. You're right. Shmoney is the appropriate, like, (laughs) nomenclature on this podcast. Uh, Happy New Year. Let's get this money. So it's what? A month into the new year now. We're kicking off a new season. It feels like the right time to talk about New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions for me are really the it same every feels, year for me. They're the same, you know, they're the same every year, but also some they just feel really daunting because mm-hmm. I feel that sometimes you just write out big goals and you don't really write out like what are all of the steps to get there. And it's like 365 days seems like a long time, but it's December before you know it every year. But what are some of your resolutions for this year? And then I'll tell you mine. And I'll tell you what I realized because I do kind of have the same goals every year, but mm-hmm. they do tend to get loftier. You know, after as I get older. Well, that's what happens when you're a successful lady. <laughs> but what I did realize is that sometimes my goals are too vague and I have to be really more specific yep. about, you know, how I'm going to achieve them and the steps that I'm going to take. So, I mean, what are some of the things that you plan? Okay. Every year I have goals that I'm like, here are the goals that I'm going to tell people. And then there are the goals that I keep for myself mm-hmm. because I think that you should keep some things to yourself. I feel like that's how Oprah thrives. Okay. Um, <laughs> but gen- like one of my big goals next year, honestly, is to get all of my finances right. And that's the lofty goal. But the mm-hmm. real deal is that I need to tackle retirement. Right. I've been a freelancer for a while. When I worked in an office, it's like retirement just like came out of your paycheck and you didn't think about it. And now I'm like, oh, every time I get one of these checks, like I am responsible for retiring. And so, yeah. And I like read up all these stats about like, especially like black women and how it's like you basically have to work every day and then like you die the next day because oh we're gosh. not saving up enough money. <laughs> you said and you die the next day. Yeah, no, it's it's serious. And so my big goal next year is to put like a significant amount of money 
back into my retirement account because I tackled uh, debt and savings last mm-hmm. year. And so that feels good. That's great. So need to break that down. That's maybe like the biggest like lofty, like get that right. And then the other thing is that I'm writing a book with my podcast co-host nice. and that needs to, it's like you need to find time to do that also. Yeah. And so those are my kind of two big like goals next year. Well, I do have to say, well, congratulations, by the way. Because you. you achieved your successes last year. Tackling debt is a really hard thing to do for a lot of people, you know. So I, th- I commend you on that because it's scary. I always talk about how I was in debt for so, so, so long. Mm-hmm. And I would just not open my bills. And that was the most scary thing for me. Like, I'm not opening up my bills. Yeah, it's I'm just, just a spiral of shame. <laughs> it's a spiral of shame and it adds to it, right? And then you're embarrassed to talk to people about it. And then every time you get a check, you know, you still don't have any money because that check is going straight mm-hmm. to having to pay things off. So that's like a nice freeing feeling to know that you can now start saving. I remember when that happened for me, I really, I had like a party. For myself. You spend money when you... When I got out of debt. Yes, you know I did. No. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I I do believe that money is like a... People are ashamed to talk about certain aspects of it. But I also feel like it's really hard to say I'm going to spend all of my money the proper way. Like, of course, every now and then, you know, you got to have a party for yourself when you get out of debt. So it's just the balance of those things. Because one thing that I do is... I pay all my bills every month, right? So I don't, the only debt I have now is my mortgage on my house. That's the only debt I have. But I pay off my credit card bills, but I use my credit cards every single month because that helps me establish great credit. I'm really good at it now. And I get points when I use my credit cards. Mm -hmm. So with those points, that's how I really like buy myself fun things. So I might pay for everything on my credit card, pay off my credit card at the end of the month and then get a bunch of points that I could use. And I use that for like dinners at restaurants. I get a gift card and I'll be like, come on, we're going to go out to dinner and I'll treat like my friends, but I don't have to pay anything for it. Yeah. You know, I think like, I love the way that you phrase that because I think that the real thing is to just not be in fear of money. Mm -hmm. It's not about like how much money you make, even though like making a lot of money is like, it is a fantastic feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you're out of control in your spending or you feel like you don't have a plan, it really amounts to nothing at the end of the day. So I think that like not having fear of money and just making a plan that works for you right. and that is manageable and that it's like people will give you so much advice. It's like <laughs> use your credit card every month, like pay that off or only use cash or do whatever. It's like you need to figure out what mm-hmm. your goals are, what is within your budget, what is within your own levels of sanity and something that you can manage and do that. Right. But I think that a thing that is really real, especially in like communities of color, is that we don't talk about money because a lot of times like we're not exposed to it. So we don't have like great financial education around it and there's just such a fear there whereas like if we were all a little bit more open about like our debt or our financial planning or you know like or just even making a budget and spending and you can compare like how your other friends are doing or people could give you tips it doesn't come from a place of judgment it's literally from a we like for a long time like we didn't have these tools Mm -hmm. and this is the way that we can all help each other it's like build and grow and sometimes I feel like we make our each other feel like a little bit embarrassed if we invest or do something great Mm -hmm. because I remember when I was opening up my juice bar when I bought my house people like oh you got money you got money I'm like why am I like trying to be made to feel like I'm I should be ashamed of having money to invest you know when I started investing like in the stock market and doing things like that uh, I remember being teased by certain people who would be like oh okay I see you think you rich you this you that and you like okay I work really hard so yeah 
you know, work the, really hard. You're making your money work for you. And it's yeah, like it's smart. Right. And it's also I think it's a part of risk taking that a lot of people are. Right. I think a lot of times the conversation on money is that it's like, how comfortable are you with the risk that you want to take? And for a lot of people, it's like beyond just like the day to day. Like once you start thinking bigger than just like, what are you going to eat tomorrow? Like, how are you going to pay your rent? Everything just gets scarier. Right. And so it's easier to just like judge people or make fun of them than it is to actually sit down and be like, no, here's the thing I want to do. And here's how I'm going to get there. Well, one thing that I want to do after opening up the juice bar, which I did, um, in September of 2016, I want to try to expand from that. And I'm going to tell you, it's been the greatest feeling that people come by in the neighborhood and they're, they love the fact that the juice bar is there, that it's something positive mm-hmm. in the community. And I live in that community in Best Eye. So it's nice that you get to see people who now I feel like I know everybody in the neighborhood. And I feel like people are just really grateful. You come in there. It's like a real good, positive vibe. So the next thing I want to do is figure out how do we expand that. And when I say expand that, one thing that really touches me is when kids come in there and they are loving to get juices and their parents will be like, I can't get them to have vegetables at home. I can't get them to have fruit. But they love coming to the juice bar and getting stuff. So thank you so much. And figure out a way to implement something for kids in schools just to get educated earlier on that. Because I remember growing up and the stuff that I used to eat and drink, and it was not good. You know, I was drinking soda every day, like, you know, just stuff that I don't do now. But I think if I would have started at a younger age being healthier, those are great habits to pick up at a young age. And, you know, we see kids have a lot of issues now, and, you know, people are struggling with different things. So I think one thing that I want to make sure that I do, and this is my resolution, is just to figure out ways that I can be more beneficial to the younger generation. So that's, that's cool. a, a definite resolution. And so I've already been working on it and putting together a plan of what I want to do. So hopefully by the time we do the next installment of this podcast, I'll be further along so we can be like, oh, my God, you started with your New Year's resolution and you really like mapped it yeah. out because I've been mapping it out. So. Okay, I'm excited that every episode we're going to check in. Yeah. Like, in, like, we're being what held we're accountable. That's what that's called. I know. Accountability. Now I'm scared all over again. <laughs> all right, what else am I holding you accountable for in the next minute? <laughs> okay, you're holding me accountable for getting my retirement plan. You're holding mm-hmm. me accountable for getting my book writing plan together. Yes. And yeah, those are the two big things. I think the other things is I want to give a significant amount of my income to charity next year mm-hmm. in a way that is beneficial to the causes that I care about. I'm very much one of, like, I'm a very emotional giver. Like, if you catch me on the right day, like, I will spend too much money on GoFundMe. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, my God, here you go, or these things. But I want to find, like, an area of giving that is important to me and focus on that because I think that that's what impact is. But I, it's like every time I fire up Google, I end up, like, looking, like, watching punked videos instead. Well, so what Um, are you, what would you say that you're passionate about when you say? I'm really passionate about, like, women's issues. And uh, so I got diagnosed with cancer last year. I know I saw that (sighs) and it's been like and I see you don't believe in a holistic approach oh yeah no I don't (laughs) believe in that I'm like don't I believe in science the thing that happens like when you're sick is that everybody has advice for you and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh I didn't know all of you went to medical school this is amazing but also yeah it's like there's there's a lot of problems there But I've been thinking a lot, especially like where cancer and finances have been intersecting. And like every day I wake up and I'm like, wow, cancer is not free. Like this is that I'm so glad I signed up for healthcare. I'm so because I almost didn't sign up for healthcare last year. I looked up the penalty and I was like, six hundred and fifteen dollars. I can give Barack Obama that today. Like I don't need to 
pay healthcare. Well, thank God you did. And I did, and it saved my life, right? But the truth is that, like, once when you have an illness big like cancer or even people who have chronic illnesses or whatever, is that it messes up your finances in a way that is really terrifying, especially when you're young. So and in a way you don't ever anticipate either because it's yeah. nothing that you could ever plan for. It's one of the number one ways that young people go into debt is mm-hmm. for medical debt. And so I really want to look into a way to like figure, I was like, if I am ever a billionaire, this is all I want to do is just write people grants who have chronic illnesses and be like, pay your mortgage, pay your rent, like all the things that you can't do. So the other thing that I want to look up next year is how to do like a like a structure for that, mm-hmm. like whether it's a foundation or find or like it's like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's like if there's an organization that already does that, then right. I want to partner and work with them. But it's like it's very emotional. And I'm sure <laughs> they like, would love to have you. And I, that's ugh. why. Yeah, that's why I think it's important, like because I find the best things to do is something that you're passionate about. And mm-hmm. clearly you have a personal connection and a story to tell that can benefit other people. And it's something that matters to you. So I do feel like any organization would be like, oh, my God, please. Yes. Thank you. You would be a blessing. Oh, my God. I hope so. It's just been, you know, it's like you're confronted with all of the ways that you're really privileged. Like I I like definitely grew up in a really poor home. I'm originally from like Guinea and West Africa. Like there's nothing like charming about it. But I, you know, it's like through adulthood, like I built a life for myself. And I'm like, okay, I'm self-sufficient. I can do all these things. And then you're humbled really quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're confronted with all the privilege you have. I'm like, I went to college so I can I can navigate the medical system in a way that somebody else can't right. do. I don't have kids or like a mouth to feed or like this or I, you know, and it's like I finally got rid of my debt also. I was like, I don't have this insurmountable amount of debt that I have to deal with. And you have to handle all these emotional things. But so I think that like one way to not go crazy when you're sick is to think about how you can help other people. Yes. When you can. It's like a purpose. Yeah. So, okay. So definitely next episode, I'm going to expect you to have, yes, have definitely made some contacts and set up some meetings. Done. I'm just going to go to the juice bar. You know I'm going to find some, you know I'm going to do some research for you as well. I like, I I love that. I love the idea of like goal setting as like a community goal and Mm -hmm. then we're all doing it together because accountability is where it's at. I have a person you should talk to because I'm already thinking about who I know that could be um, beneficial, but I think that's great. Yeah. So, okay. So we have some goals for our New Year's resolutions. And um, can I ask you a question? mm -hmm. Do you have like a big goal that you feel like you failed or like a way that like New Year's resolution was too big and it just like never happened? I think my biggest problem is time. There's a lot of things that I want to do. I feel like I don't have time for Like I've been working on writing this um, short film that I am excited about, but it's like I don't have the time but I do like, uh, you know, I do. I'm sure like anything that you're yeah. passionate about, you'll make time for. But it's like I'll start working on it and then I'll stop and then I'll forget about it and then I'll come back to it. And then I'm like, oh, I, don't. I just really need to like sit down, get it done and then figure out how I can film it. And that's what I would love to do is to get this written and done and ready to go. Yes. Like, you know how sometimes you'll watch stuff and you'll be like, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be like, like okay, yeah. but you didn't, you know? And that's how a lot of people are. Like, I don't want to be one of those people that looks at something and says, I could have did that, and but I didn't. So... Right. It's like the only difference between you and the people that you're envious of is that they like got their to do list done. Right. And like not even like trying to hate on it. Like, oh, I could do that, too. Like, oh, that that's Mm -hmm. dope. You know, and I need like I think it's important to be inspired when you see other people do things to be like, you know what? I need to make sure I get up off my ass and do it as well. So 
that is something that I haven't done yet. And like, I really went to school for writing. So I don't I write. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I was an English major at Wesleyan. And I definitely don't write the way that I should be because I feel like I get so distracted in my everyday life. Like I work all day and I'm exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's another thing that I want to do is just like balance my time better and learn how to say no to certain things so that I have more time for myself to work on things that I want to do personally. I'm the queen of saying no. I'm going to teach you. you. I say no. Well, last year I had to say no because I was well, like, have, I literally yeah. have cancer. I can't right. do I, this. I can't do this. I was going to invent a baby and say that I have a child at home. And that way I could tell. Because I feel like when you have kids, it's so easy to say no, but I don't have no. it. It's just, you know, the thing is really, it's like a muscle. It's like you have to learn to say no and think about it as like a long term investment in yourself. It's right. like everything that you're saying yes to it's for right now. And it's like, it'll feel great. It's whatever. Either like you're helping somebody out or you're getting paid or whatever. But I think that if you map out like what you want to do and you're like, here's the finish line, you have to say no to a lot of things. Right. But here's my secret for when I say no, I have a spreadsheet. I log all of them. You like have a all no of, spreadsheet? No, I have, yeah, I have a no spreadsheet in Google Docs. And every time I respond to an email like, no, sorry, I can't do this event. No, sorry, I can't like write this thing for you. I can't like, you know, or I can't show up or I can't help with your fundraiser. I log all of them. And then when it's like freelance life, right? Like sometimes you're busy and sometimes you're not busy. Then I go back to the spreadsheet and I'm like, oh, here are all the things I said no to. And here's what I have time for now. I've gone back to a lot of those people and said, oh, I didn't have time for you like six months ago. Now I have time. You'd be surprised at how many people still want to work with you. Right. It's fine. It's just fine to say no to like preserve your own sanity and to protect your own time. You're right about that. I feel bad sometimes. And then sometimes when I say yes, it seems like a good idea at the time. And then the day comes and then I don't. <laughs> then I'm like, why did I say yes to that? But you're locked in. Cause you I should feel make like a criteria, you- right? It's like you should make a criteria. It's like, what are the things that you're going to say yes to? And if whenever somebody gives you a request, if it doesn't check every box, you have to say no. All right. Well, aside from that, right, um, what are you hoping to accomplish Maybe five or ten years from now. I know we have some immediate things that we're going to be checking in with just when we come back. But five or ten years, because we do have to have long term plans. That's crazy. I like (laughs) to. Five or ten years sounds so hair raising. Just uh, what can you do? Well, I have always wanted to be a talk show host. I can see that. I have done nothing to make that happen. Like it's one of those like actually that's like a perfect. That's not true. No, you know, like I'm not. Well, it's it's fine. It's like true. I host a podcast. I do pieces and stuff. But it's one of those things that you know, it's like the lofty goal where I'm like, I would like this, but I've never actually sat down to be like, actually, here are the mechanics Mm -hmm. of how this happens, or when I make decisions and saying like oh, here's a stepping stone to this, to this. And I think that part of it is because it's, one, it's crazy that I'm telling you out loud. I've never told anybody else out loud. (laughs) So now I'm telling everybody. Um, Ah, You got to put it in the atmosphere. Oh, no. I'm just like, no, if it's it's too much, it's too much. But maybe you're right. What can we do to get started with that now? What is some colorful lives? We're doing that. (laughs) I mean, and you do have your podcast, but like. It's true. I'm going to sit down and actually tell my agent who like I've never told. How could you Uh, not tell your agent? Because it's a scary goal. I got to see you as a guest on some of these shows now. Okay, we'll make that happen. Look, five, you see, I'm years, already thinking about it. I'm like, well, who can we get you on? Let's. Maybe you could just be my manager, and then we'll call it a day. I'm we'll give you a hefty cut. Yeah, look, that's my lofty goal. <laughs> no, I like this idea because, I, and you're right. Like, you sometimes do have to. We're so scared of our goals, mm-hmm. but sometimes when you put it out there and say, "I'm going to make this happen," now you've put it out there in the atmosphere, and that's how it happens. I believe in that. 
I know you're not like holistic like I am and stuff, but <laughs> Son, I'm I'm warming up to it. I'm warming up to it. It's not that I'm not holistic. I think that when it comes to health, <laughs> right? Specifically, there's so many mixed messages. You know what? That you get, and I'm, sometimes it's just easier to say like, "Here's the approach that I'm going to take," and everything else is noise. That's true, but when you've seen people who've had success stories, and I also feel like it can't hurt. Um, that's true. Listen, I, my house is filled with crystals. I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm just saying I would like to find out about it myself. I don't want to be bombarded with information about it. Okay, I have someone for you. Okay, so <laughs> let me think about my five or ten year plan. Um, I definitely want to own a vacation home. Okay. And I want it to be Where? like an investment. And that's, okay, so I've been looking into it already. I looked at a, a property in Anguilla. And then my mom is from this little island called Montserrat. Mm -hmm. So I was just there. So I have some options there. I've been looking at different. I just like to do a lot of research before I commit to something. And so I'm just trying to determine what would be a good investment as far as if I spend this money now, will I make good money with people coming to rent it out when I'm not there? Yeah. Will it pay for itself? Will I make a profit? Will it be worth more later on down the line? Yeah. So those are things that I'm trying to take into account. Also, with everything just happened with the hurricanes, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure you're somewhere that there's less risk involved. Yeah. Although there's never no risk, just less risk. Like I can see certain um, places that I looked at that weren't affected by the hurricanes because of how they were built. So that would make me be like, okay, I can see this house, you know, sustained yeah. through that. And so I feel more comfortable with it. So I've just been doing all kinds of research and meeting people. So I'm like in the early stages, but I really, really want to do that. And I really want to start like an investment group with my friends where we invest into different things and make money together. I, um, and I, I have to be so all many women. people for you to talk to about I investing. To be <laughs> Sorry to all the guys out there, but I really do want it to be just like uh, all women's colorful lives, women together in a group where we're just like investing into different things and learning together. So we're taking that risk together, but profiting together. Yeah. And I think that's a great story. So we could like all go on vacation to our little vacation homes and stuff. Oh my God. I can't wait to be wealthy with you. Well, it's definitely <laughs> but true. That's, but I'm going to keep it real. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's not even about that because that's why you team up with other people because it's not like one of you has all of that to risk, yeah. but you guys all do it together. Cause I think sometimes we talk ourselves out of things, but like I couldn't have opened a juice bar by myself. Yeah. I had somebody like Styles P who already had three of them that were successful that lowered my risk yeah. so much. And then I said, all right, I'm going to ask Envy to put some money into it. And then I put some money into yeah. it and then it wasn't a huge burden on me. Yeah. And and then I had three people, there's three of us together that can help to promote it. And it already ran pretty, I mean, not 100% smooth at all, but it was a lot smoother than it would have been if I tried to do it myself. I would have been overwhelmed. And yeah. that's why I feel like it's so important. We see people doing these investment groups, but we need to do that for each other. Like, I know yeah. we like to get together. We're having a little, you know, cocktail. But when we get together and do that, let's talk about what are some things that we can do for our future to make sure that we're financially secure. No, I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. I like money is definitely the final frontier of feminism. I think that there's something it's there's something really important about women being in charge of their financial futures. Even when you look at angel investing because of this the tech group that I run, we talk a lot about it. It's like in the United States, less than 3% of angel investors are women. See that and that's, like that's that has to change. That's crazy and it also like makes complete sense. It's like when you look at the industry and you're like who holds the money, who holds the power? 
it's like that thing that Cheryl Sandberg says in her book. It's like, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, right? So, And think about the skills that you have that's more valuable than... Mm-hmm. The, like, there's people that have money to put up, but you have the skills yep. to make them more money. Exactly. So and it could be a situation where someone's putting up way more money than you, but you're putting in way more time and have way more expertise in something. I think it's just a matter of figuring it out. Right. And I think that also the, you know, the not having money is like, it's not an accident that women and people of color don't have money, right? It's like, that's literally the design of the, how the country was built. So taking that power back and really thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, it's like thinking about like not being, it's not about being rich. It's about having wealth to pass down generationally. Like we don't have that to give to our children or to the people that come after us. When you look at how income inequality is distributed, it's like, yes, like, like it's, it's really unfair right now. But when you think about it, like through the generational lens, it's actually terrifying right? because it just, it accelerates and it amplifies all the time. Right. It's like the difference between like, I remember when I went to college, my dad would always tell us, he was like, the only thing I can give you kids is education. And I was like, Oh, that's such an African dad thing to say. (laughs) And then I get to college and I was like, Oh, like you're, yeah, you're right. Like you like my friends can never come to our beach house because we don't have a beach house that our grandparents had or you just you start to understand the tangible ways that you can pass down wealth to people and you're like okay like that's the big difference but also now you've made me realize that on my five-year goal is to be a homeowner there you go i love it because i um I yeah I don't like to buy I like I don't like it when anything's more expensive than my computer because it's too much <laughs> you and this computer it's too much emotional clutter I'm just like this is the most expensive thing I will own like I can't I just can't deal with it um, but I don't know it's like home homeownership is homeownership is really important also I can do it so might yeah as well do you it. can and you should and you know for a long time I never thought I'd be able to own a home like having jobs that I had where I was barely making any money and I was always in debt and not even able to do anything extra for myself not able to go on vacation and I realized like I had to figure out other streams of income yeah you know also and then fortunately for me I was able to just keep on putting myself out there and make more and more money but I feel like that is something that is attainable and it's just like you have to figure out the smartest way to do it like I bought my home but it's a two-family house so it's an investment property Mm is my first house and one thing I learned when I was looking for a house is that I was like, okay, it's got to be like perfect, perfect, perfect. And I had to come to realize that, no, it has to be a good investment. And it's my first house. So who's saying that this is the only house I'm ever going to own? Like, this is my first house. I might buy it, live in it for a few years, flip it, and then buy something nicer. So I have to not think of it as like so final. You know what I mean? So it just helped me out a lot. Instead of thinking like this has to be on the perfect block in the perfect place, the perfect home. It was more like, okay, this has to be a great investment and I have to like it and appreciate it. And then who knows what's going to happen next. So, but yes, that's exciting. So when you're ready to do that, let me know. Cause I went through that whole process just like three and a half years ago. Done for the first and time. done and done. You're going to hold my hand through all of it. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like stuff like this though. Like I love when I did something and I can give my own personal, like, you know, take on how to go about it. And some things that I did that were mistakes. Cause I did it all on my own. And I think there's so many things that if you had somebody that could help you or guide you through it, it would help you so much and that's something that I'm realizing I never had a mentor you know a lot of stuff I did it was just me like figuring it out and sometimes it's so much nicer when you can ask someone because sometimes I feel like we don't ask either yeah like hey girl I know you bought a house like I would love to sit down and talk Mm -hmm. to you people love to share their successful experiences with you yeah if they're a good person 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. It's like, you gotta, you gotta be generous with like yourself and the information that you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm excited. We're going to check in every week. The other thing that's like exciting about all of our goals is that they all sound pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. What we still need to do is like make completion times for all of them. Right. Okay. So I guess we have like five years, we have like this year, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like, you got to break down the steps right. into smaller things. You Otherwise have steps. you got to have deadlines. <laughs> you got to have steps. And you also like don't need to set other people's goals, which a lot of people do where Mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, like so and so is doing that. Like, I would like to do that. It's like, is that really your dream? Is that your life? Like, live the life that you want. Like, don't look left and right. The other thing, too, that like all the experts say that you're supposed to do with your goals is that you're supposed to review your progress Mm -hmm. at each step. Oh, we'll be doing that. Yeah. You're going to review mine. I'm going to review yours. We're going (laughs) to. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is is the thing. You need an accountability buddy. Otherwise, it just doesn't get done. Right. Right. You also like can't do too many things at once. I feel like we set a reasonable amount of things that we want to do. You know what they say. Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you do have to focus on one goal that you have that's like let me prioritize and you have to do that in life in general is like prioritize like what's the most important thing that means the most to me and how can I achieve that because other things kind of do distract me like I told you I get distracted all the time I have like things that I know I've ever since I was a little kid I wanted to be a writer I still ain't written nothing (laughs) I get distracted by everyday life and that's my fault so that's something that I have to make sure that I I have to, like you said, say no to certain things so that I can focus on what's important. Mm -hmm. So you can say yes to bigger things later, right? It's like if you accomplish like the the movie that you want to write and all this other stuff, it opens you up to other kinds of opportunities. So it's really, it's just like all you're doing is holding yourself back by not making time. Yeah, I can't host parties forever. (laughs) But you host such fun parties. (laughs) We make it look fun, okay? (laughs) I always say that, man, even if I don't feel like going out. If I go out, I'm going to have fun. Even if you have to drag me out of the house because I don't feel like it. But if I'm there, I'm going to make the most out of it. Oh, my gosh. Last year was my homebody year. I really enjoyed it. I was like, man, I did not know I was a homebody. Until, I'm such a homebody. Until I was forced to be a homebody. And I was like, I am never leaving the house again. This is the best feeling. <laughs> I feel like I'm just never home now. So that's why, I like, whenever I get the opportunity, you know, yeah. I try to seize that. All right, so even after all of that, right, we cannot forget about the follow-through. Following through is so important because it's one—and I feel like that's where most people lack. A lot of us have great ideas, we have great goals, but do we follow through to make it happen? That's the hardest part. Like, you could have the best ideas in the world. If you don't follow through, it's just an idea. And then you'll be like, oh, my God, you see someone on Shark Tank with the same idea that you have. (laughs) Squatty potty, I invented that. <laughs> oh my now god! Somebody else a is rich. Towel of that it. has a cup holder. <laughs> That's me. Every time I watch Shark Tank, yeah. I'm like, I literally invented that in but the guess second what? grade. Someone else had a follow through. Okay, right. in second grade, you That's just right. went ahead and had your peanut butter and jelly and didn't. <laughs> and they did it. They did it. That's right. the difference. So I think um, important things to do is to reward yourself. So, and, you know, I know a lot of people do that. I do this. Like every time I obtain something or get to the next level, you know, I always give myself a little little present. Like, a, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a little vacation, whatever it is. Even if it's a weekend vacation, get yeah. away somewhere because I worked hard for two months straight without having one day off. And then I'm like, okay, but I know in two months I'm going to go away for the weekend. Exactly. And that's how I reward myself. I give myself something to look forward to. Also getting feedback. 
feedback from your coworkers and your colleagues. And, you know, I'm going to be giving you feedback. I know. Just like you better be giving me some feedback. Yes, because that's how we're going to stay accountable to each other. Right. And also, I mean, that's how we encourage each other, too, which Mm -hmm. I think is really important. You know, and um, we've been saying this all throughout. Keep yourself accountable. Yeah. You know, and I'm so glad. Like, I actually am honored that you would publicly say what it is that you want to do here for the first time on Colorful Lives and give us that exclusive. But no, but even as you feel comfortable enough to share that goal, because uh, I know that's a hard thing, but that means now we're going to keep you accountable. And every time I see something or anybody listening to Colorful Lives sees something that they're like, oh, that would be great for, I mean, we'll be able to tell you, hey, you said you wanted to do this. Here's something going on. But that's such a good mindset to have, right? Like, especially because, you know, like the kind of the popular message that they tell you about women is that we're always in competition with each other or that like women don't help women and blah, blah, blah. And I know that like in my own life, that's not true at all. Me too. I was like, you know. Everybody who and works for like, me is a woman. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and even like, like you, like the way that you're so, you're so positive and you're so generous with just like sharing your resources and sharing who you are and everybody else that you bring up with you. You know, I think that women are more like, we're more powerful when we hunt in packs for sure. But also it's like, that's the kind of mindset to have is like surround yourself with people who want to see you win and be happy for them. It doesn't take anything away from you. If somebody else in your life is shining, you know, it's just like everybody, everybody's going to get there. I know you believe in that shine theory. You know it. You know it. It's like, I don't shine if you don't shine. That's so important to me and to my friends. Like you just, it literally does not take anything from you if somebody is successful. And the other thing is that like when they are successful, it just reverberates so much more on you. Right. It does. It's that like we grew up without like we didn't have mentors or like people looking out for us or like showing us the ropes. Like are your friends and your peers did that for you and you're like by yourself there's only so much that you can do but when you have other people that are encouraging you like you're gonna achieve like all the things that you set out to do and there's no feeling better feeling of success than when somebody that you helped out actually succeeds in something Mm -hmm. and you can say you had a hand in that yeah and I feel that is so true if I can say oh I remember when she came to me as an intern and gave her the job and then I helped to get a job doing this and now look at her she has her own company she's doing this and when she can come to you and say you know what thank you so much like for giving me the that is such like the best feeling in the world that you can actually have a hand in somebody else's success yeah and you know and life like life changes like I know now like especially like when how I because I transitioned from like working into a company to like working for myself it's like people that I help get jobs and like interns they're hiring me now for jobs you know it's like that is how quickly life can change it's like you I'm such a believer that like you should only kiss down like don't kiss up to people because you never know who's coming and what like tomorrow is gonna look like but also this is what happens when everybody in your network is thinking about like how do we all go forward together you know like you're not gonna leave anybody behind Right. And that's another thing. Like surround yourself with people who are motivating you, who are supporting Mm -hmm. you and who want to see you win. Because there's people I've had to like kind of just stay away from because they're so negative. You know, there's people that will be like, oh, my God, you want to try to do that? Don't do that. That doesn't even make sense. Or, you know, that I don't think you should try that. Or it's just people that are I don't even want to use the word haters, but there's just some people who don't even realize how negative they are. And sometimes I feel like that's a reflection on themselves and like. Things they haven't been able to achieve, so they feel like, eh, yeah. it's just too much work. Oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, just get a regular job. and do- Like, no. Like, you should be able to go out there and pursue your goals and have people around you that are supportive of those goals. Because there's nothing worse than when you know you're working really hard to achieve something and someone is telling you... 
Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. There's no money in that. You don't have that experience. You need people that are going to help you figure it out as you're trying to yep. achieve these goals. They're going to lift you up and say, okay, what do I need to do to help you? Right. And it's like, and also just like thinking like how you can be that person in somebody's life also. Mm-hmm. Because think about like, it's like, you know, all of the negative messages that like you hear all the time when people tell you like, you can't do that, you can't, whatever, you're not going to achieve it or that's too hard. And so just thinking about like how that makes you feel and if you can help somebody else not feel that way, like that would go a long, long, long way. Well, okay. Okay. What else do you have to do? Creating to-do list? Are you good? Are you a to-do list creator? Mm, I am, but it depends. I don't do it all the time. I do it when I'm overwhelmed. It's not like a daily thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I first of all, I put everything in my calendar on my phone. Yeah. So every day, like, I know what time I have to be, wherever I have to be. So it, that's kind of a to-do list. But sometimes when it's a lot of stuff, I'll actually make a, a real list of, like, okay, make sure you do this, do this, do this, and I have to cross everything off. So it might not be things that have to be accomplished all in one day, but I know, like, don't forget to do this. Don't forget yeah. to do this. So it might not be a specific time. But I know, like, for instance, I want to get a library in our juice bar that's like my next thing I'm doing that's so cool so I have a whole bunch of books already that I'm gonna put in the library but I have to actually physically get like the bookshelf so that means I have to go and measure the space and see where I want to put it in you know and that is not something that has to be done today Mm -hmm. but it's on my to-do list there's just certain things I know I want to do soon so you know that's just one of the things I'm kind of the same way about to-do lists it's When I'm stressed out, I will write down everything down from like eat breakfast, call your brother, (laughs) take your medicine (laughs) because it's just a it's just a reminder. I have a post-it on my mirror that tells me like all the things I need to do. I have a chalkboard. Oh, that's in my house. Yeah. It's like you just have to stay on top of it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like find the system that works for you and do it. But also like don't be a slave to the to do list. It's like you can't do it all in one day. I have like a little trick that I do. It's like cheating. But sometimes I put like stupid things in my to do list. Like you have to get gas for your car. (laughs) But that way I feel like I did something. No, that's a good that's a good (laughs) trick. Also, it's part of it. It's like thing that you need garbage. to do. Like, yes, I know I'm going to have to do it anyway, but it <laughs> feels good to cross stuff off the list. So I like slide in a couple of like stupid little things like buy toilet paper, you know, and that way I can cross it off. I like that. Um, I'm going to start doing that now. That's like a reward yourself. Just like sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Get so up and go all, to work. <laughs> so it's all there. You know, but the other thing too about the to-do list that's funny when you do it like that is that it make it really makes you visualize how much you do in one day. Because right. there are days where I'm just like, oh, I didn't do anything today. And uh, and it's true. It's like there are literally days where I'm like, I watch reality TV all There's day today. Days, yeah. I did not accomplish I didn't anything. Shower, um, <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. There's no there's no shame in having. I love those, those days. days. Yeah, I love those days. But also, like the truth is that like most days you are doing a lot, and right. you're doing more than you're. You know, you're just like one person. Like it may seem like I did nothing, but I watched this whole Netflix series today. <laughs> Shout out to the Crown. <laughs> <laughs> one sitting. <laughs> that's that's all. Off your to-do list. Yeah, that's on my to-do watch list. That. I'm like, I don't need, you know, I'm like, I am I am caught up on Philip's antics. Like, it's <laughs> done now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. It's because the other thing, you know, I think that I, I'm so weary of sometimes like when, like at the beginning of the year, because I'm one of those people that like, January one, I hit the gym so hard. January yes, you're three, one of those, uh, January three, I can't find my gym, the gym card. Is like packed, yeah. On and January 1st. exactly, and then by the seventh, I'm like, I'm just in this Equinox to use the Kiehl's products. I'm not actually gonna work out. Yeah, Kiehl's um, products at Equinox. They do, and they have a juice bar. So. <laughs> 
this is this is like what you know the like fake work out people right but i'm so aware how much momentum i have at the beginning of the year that i don't have at the end of the year and so just thinking about like oh like don't overwhelm yourself it's not about feeling guilty it's not about like you need to run the race the hardest the first day it's not like how do you finish at the end and not you know and and feel like you did the things that you wanted to do because sometimes i feel guilty if like i didn't do a lot in one day I feel guilty, but sometimes I don't. Like, don't you have those days where you're like, I literally just watched Love I and Hip Hop today and I don't I need to be it. anywhere else? <laughs> I have those days. But yeah, you know, it's like we're, I, you know, I'm assuming we're both type A personalities, so it's hard <laughs> to be to be really restless. But, you know, I think the secret is just like, it's fine the thing that's manageable for you. It's like everybody will have like advice that they want to give you and strategies. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like your own responsibility right. to be like, here's what different. I can keep up with. Yeah, yeah, we're all different. Just even like our spending habits are different. Mm-hmm. Like some people can't use credit cards like I do. Like how I, I mm-hmm. use my credit card to pay everything and then I pay the bill off. Yeah. Some people just aren't capable of handling their finances like that. And that's fine. As long as you're handling them. Exactly. It's you like know? you just gotta you just got to find what is manageable and stay on top of it. Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, to help you increase your financial IQ and to bring your career, business, and life to the next level. Every other week, we're getting together and offering up advice and inspiration to help you up your financial IQ with our new season of Colorful Lives. If you're liking what you're hearing, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, and it makes a huge difference in helping more people find out about the show. And if you really want to support the show, we're not asking for any handouts. We just ask that you put a friend on to your favorite episode. So don't forget, you can get into the conversation on social media. Just use the hashtag, hashtag live colorful with two L's at the end of colorful. Gabby Dunn is a comedian, writer, and podcast host based in LA. She started out as a journalist and started to gain a following as a writer, director, and performer in BuzzFeed videos. In 2015, she left BuzzFeed to focus on her own YouTube channel with her best friend and comedy partner, Allison Raskin, called Just Between Us. The YouTube channel has over 750,000 subscribers and more than 100 million views. Gabby and Allison have developed and shot original pilots for MTV, 20th Century Fox, FX, and YouTube Red. Gabby and Allison's debut novel, I Hate Everyone But You, came out in September of last year. In addition to all of that, she hosts a podcast called Bad With Money on the Panoply Network. Her past guests have included Roxanne Gay, Akila Hughes, and Stephanie Beatrice. We caught up with Gabby to talk about what she's learned over two seasons of hosting a podcast about finance and a lifetime of being bad with money. Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you for having me. Of it's course. Honor. Of course. Um, a lot of people know you as a YouTuber and a like awesome podcast host, but can you tell us a little bit about your background before you were making videos and podcasts? Oh gosh. Yeah, from South Florida. Sorry. And I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made it out, you guys, and I went to college in Boston uh, at Emerson, and then I I studied journalism there. So mm-hmm. the podcast is actually kind of back to my roots in a way because I worked as a reporter for most of my life, and I worked at the Boston Globe when I was in school doing crime reporting, and then I uh, came to New York and was working as a reporter, and then even when I moved out to LA, which is where I live now to try to do entertainment stuff, the job I had when I moved out here, like for security was still a reporting job. And then I quit that to do the YouTube stuff, but I've only been doing entertainment stuff for like four years, basically. I mean, I did comedy, I did stand up and I did improv in New York and 
in Boston, I was always doing stand up, but I, I never thought that could be a career until the last four years. So it's been a total switch. So what was that like for you financially doing uh, comedy? Because I have a lot of friends who are comedians that always talk about the struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, for improv specifically, you pay to go to their classes. So that's like five. You have to usually get to like level five. And then that's like $400 a class. And then you go and that's how you can like audition to get on a team. And then you maybe you'll get on an improv team, but then they don't pay you to perform. So it's almost like you're, you're paying for the exposure, which is, I'm sure, I mean, working as a freelance journalist, that's also the the model is to pay for exposure, quote unquote. (laughs) Well, you know, it sounds like, you know, like a lot of people in our circles, like you've made your, your side hustle has become your main hustle. And there's such a reluctance usually to talk about money when it comes to like, you know, making that choice. So what made you want to make a podcast about money? specifically? Well, I talk a lot about sex and sexuality in my work. And the obvious choice would have been to do some kind of LGBT related thing or some kind of sex positive thing. I was like, okay, but I'm comfortable talking about all of that stuff. What am I uncomfortable talking about? And it was like that I had kind of secretly been, I mean, I'm sure most people can relate to this, but I I think especially in certain circles and in certain cities, you're not supposed to show that you're desperate for money or you're not supposed to talk about money because it's tax. And everyone, I mean, it took me forever to realize like, where's everyone's money coming from? Why can these people just not have day jobs and do stuff at night? And like, I don't understand how do they live where they live? And I would get really down on myself because it didn't occur to me that everyone was coming from different family backgrounds. So I would always be like, well, why aren't I doing that? Why can't I do that? Why didn't I get this thing? And then I realized like, I mean, it sounds obvious, but I slowly was like, wait a minute, people's parents pay for their <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, so I had felt a lot of shame about money. And I also, you know, I was, I had been working on the YouTube channel and a lot of times when you get a brand deal, which is where a brand will pay you to make a video for them your fans will be upset. So they'll be like, oh, look at you just doing stuff for money. Like we hate you. And that started to really eat at me because I was like, they don't understand. Like they think that because I'm a YouTuber, I'm rich. Right. They don't understand that we're actually losing money on these videos. And it's interesting because we, we had made 200 videos for free. And then we would do one video that we were paid for and everyone would be like, sell out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so that, and I, and I, you know, I have a comedy partner and she luckily could cover a lot of the costs. And so there was like this secret thing where I wasn't, I wasn't paying for a lot of the videos. Like she was covering it and then she would go, it's fine. You'll pay me back later. Um, and I didn't know if I could have continued to do the channel without her. Like, I would not know that I would have had the money to do it myself. Um, and so I just felt a lot of shame about that. And then, so I was like, you know what, let's poke the wound. Let's just start talking about money stuff. And I'm still like, I'll listen back to episodes and be like, why did I say that? That's so embarrassing. But there was like a, in the first episode, we did a thing where I went around to a coffee shop and I asked strangers, I said, can I ask you two questions on, on mic? And they were like, sure. And I said, okay, first question, what's your favorite sex position? And they were all just like, so happy to tell me. And then I said, okay, second question, how much money's in your bank account? And they were like, what? That's, I can't, that's horrible. 
Like most of the people were like, oh no, that's personal. And I was like, but you just, so that was kind of what led me to do the show where that feeling of like everyone is now kind of very into destigmatizing like sex and sexuality, which is awesome. And that's part of my work, but there was not a lot of stuff that I saw for marginalized people, by marginalized people about money. Cause a lot of the money podcasts are about, are by, you know, rich white guys or rich white women and stuff. So I didn't, there was, there's only, I think mine and one other queer money podcast. That's like, I mean, it's not specifically a queer podcast, but there's, def- I mean, obviously who I am seeps into it. Yeah. No, so, Gab- Gabby, I wanted yeah. to, to touch on this a little bit. Uh, investing in yourself because I know a lot of times like I worked early on in my career for free a lot I did a lot of internships and you actually paid money to take the improv classes that you did a lot of times people come into this business and feel like I'm not doing it if I'm not making any money and they don't understand the importance of actually investing in themselves and the struggle behind having to do that yeah I mean you have to strike a balance I was very I'll just do, I want to do anything. I want to do anything and I want exposure and I want to do it and I'll do unpaid internships and I'll do everything. And my comedy partner is very opposite. She's the first person I saw say no to something. And I was like, you can just say no. And she's like, oh, I love to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And she's like, a lot of times if I say no, they come back and go, okay, we actually have $50 in the budget. We can pay you. And I'm they'll do that. And she's like, oh yeah. But I had no idea. I think there's a there's a concept of investing in yourself, but there's you also have to value yourself. So it's hard to read which situation is which. That's like so tough. Right. And part of it on like I love that you talk about your business partner so much because I think that what happens there is that because the two of you are open with each other, like you get a perspective that's different on like, oh, like I can do business a different kind of way or I can spend money a different kind of way. And that's part of the work that you do. Like one of the most like ulcer inducing things that you've talked about to me is your IRS troubles. (laughs) And which is, you know, like I'm like, I'm a freelancer and I pay those quarterly taxes. And every time I leave my accountant's office and I want to cry, you know, and, but I also remember when, (laughs) right. You know, but I, but I also know, yeah, it's like, I have the fear of being audited all the time. I also like, I also remember the times where like, I was not current with the IRS and it was such a thing. I had such a shame, like talking about it. And hearing you like hearing you talk about it felt like so freeing. Can you um, can you like explain to the listeners like what the problem was and how you took care of it? Luckily, I I have a, a manager and he pointed me to a business manager and the business manager. I like went to the business manager's office with an accordion folder of like two years of receipts and papers. And I was just like this. Here you go. <laughs> and uh, and we like printed out my bank statements and he and I like took hours and went through everything, which is just like such an exhausting undertaking. I kept asking him, people do this, like people, people do this. Like this is a thing that people do every year. And he was like, yes. And I was like, that, no, come on. You're kidding. I ended up owing the IRS $7,000, which I did not have. And so I called them and I was like, can I get on a payment plan? And they were like, yeah, no problem. And then they were like, well, what do you think you could realistically pay every month? And at the time I was like, oh God, I hate this question. And I was like, I don't know, $50, totally expecting her to yell at me. And she just went, yeah, okay. And then put me on a $50 payment plan. And I realized, oh, 
I'm not even the worst person they've talked to today. <laughs> like, I'm not even the worst person they've talked to in the last hour. Like she did not blink at being like, sure, yeah, here you go. You're on the plan. But I thought that they were going to yell at me or that was embarrassing or that number was too low or I don't know. But then I ended up, I, and then when I got some, uh, like a chunk of money from something else, I ended up paying it off. But like a lot of things I was on payment plans for and I felt really embarrassed about it. I don't know why. The worst thing you could do is ignore something. Like when you owe money to the IRS, some people will be like, well, I don't have it. I'm just going to ignore it. And they let those problems pile up. And that's actually really stressful. Some people, I know I used to not open my bills because I knew I didn't <laughs> oh, have the money to pay I, it. I, I still don't answer phone numbers, like uh, phone calls. Eight, eight, numbers. Eight, eight, I don't no know. Thanks. You know, and I, and I don't know. I don't owe anybody money. But if I see a phone number, I don't know. I'm like, that's a bill collector. But oh, you're right. It's like <laughs> opening your mail and answering the phone are cute. I used to just throw my mail away. I was like, if they really want to get in touch with me, they'll figure out a way. <laughs> they'll come here. <laughs> right. And then you go to IRS jail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the thing is that if you come from a background where I love the point that you made earlier about, you know, like there are people who just come from backgrounds where uh, they know how they know what to do with their money, right? Like a lot of these other podcasts are like, well, here's how you invest the million dollars you have. I'm like, I don't have a million dollars to invest. Right. Or um, here's what you do. Like, here's how you roll over that money your parents left to you or whatever. But the thing is that like, if you come from a background where nobody ever talked to you about money mm -hmm. and you just expect that everybody has it and isn't a mess about it and isn't on, you know, like there's nothing inherently shameful about payment plans. Rich people are on payment plans their entire lives. That's Listen, how they rich stay people rich. buy stuff, keep the tags on it, bring it back to the store. I found out. Okay. <laughs> rich people are so savvy. Like we should live like rich people. Um, you know, but I think that like taking that stigma out of talking about it is, it's so important, especially with your friends. And especially if you are somebody who comes from a marginalized community, because the information is so important. Right. Oh, share um, your calories, do all of that. Yeah. Um, we, I run a, a group for women in tech and we have a male auxiliary. And the thing, the only thing that we ask the dudes to do are one, they plan our annual picnic and two, <laughs> and two, they tell us how much money they're making because I don't need to ask another woman in tech how much money she makes. I'm like, you are underpaid just like me. So, right. you know, like, what's this guy making? And it turns out that's been the best, like, information sharing. One of the things that you brought, uh, one of the people that you brought on your show was a financial psychologist. Mm -hmm. What does a financial psychologist do? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's a... A new, I think it's like a new genre of psychology, but basically this guy is named Dr. Brad Klontz and I had him on and he was sort of talking a lot about money scripts. So he believes that the way you feel about money and the anxiety about money is connected to your family and your upbringing, obviously. And so like there's poor money scripts, which means that you don't really know how to spend money or money burns a hole in your pocket or you're kind of like, you're just like, I don't care. I'm not saving. I don't want to do anything. Um, regardless of if you come from a rich or poor background, like it's just kind of, it, it's just kind of your feeling about it. And then like a, a rich money script is like, like I had an ex-boyfriend who was wealthy, but he lived in an apartment with four other dudes for very little money. He saved a lot, never spent, he never went over. He never like did anything extravagant. And I was like, oh, my God, but you have money. Why don't you do that? And he was like, see, that's the wrong way to think. <laughs> right. And so I that's kind of indicative of like my poor money script versus his rich money script is like even if he 
didn't have money, he would be more frugal than, than me. So the, this guy is basically talking about your, how your background influences how you are. Like I grew up in an alcoholic home. So like my parents don't, didn't really know, you know, they just kind of opened a suitcase and let money fly out all the time. And so I, and because we never talked about it and because it was this sort of, um, I just, I just never learned anything about how to do anything. Right. Like all, I'll meet people who's like, who are like, my dad gave me a bank account when I was 15 and taught me how to save. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. My parents have never been good with money either. And I think sometimes in our heads, we tell ourselves, well, we're not, we're just not good with money. Well, we just don't invest in the stock markets. It's just certain things that we don't do. Some people also believe that if you don't have money, there's no reason to have an accountant or have a financial advisor. But those are really the people who need that, like people who need advice, people who need to figure out how to budget their money, how to save. Like for me, one of the biggest things that I decided to do once I started making more money was buy a house. And that was a huge undertaking for me and not something that I ever was conditioned to believe that I could do. But Mm -hmm. I made myself believe that. And I I meet so many people now that feel like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I don't know how I'm ever going to have anything. I'm never going to have my own house. But we have to stop that way of thinking also and realize that we can figure it out. And there's a lot of information out there and people who will help you get access Mm -hmm. to the things that you need to get access to. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, um, there's a lot of people who think that it's not worth doing. Like, it's not worth saving. But I, there was, like, a, a lot of people I talked to who said, well, you know, put a dollar away every week. That's still $52 you didn't have before. Right. And I think that, you know, you're right about it is about finding information. Right. So like one of the things that Oprah, for example, made really famous was that, like, if you didn't drink a latte every day, you would have five dollars. You would have you would save five dollars a day. Right. And it's like, well, five dollars a day is great. Right. Um, It's like great to save. But it also uh, it's not helping when are when politicians like make it impossible for you to actually save for retirement. Right. And so it's thinking about it's thinking about all of those issues on a spectrum. But the truth is that like if you start from a place where you're not afraid of money and you're not afraid about finding information about it Mm -hmm. is that you will both be empowered to know like what are the systems that are keeping you kind of like tied down to why you are how you are. But also, like, there's something to be said about personal finance. It's like personal finance, the goal of personal finance is not to make you a bajillionaire. The goal right. of personal finance is to teach you how to manage the amount of money that you have, mm-hmm. whatever, right. like, that ends up being, you know? And so it's like, if you, if you're somebody who's, like, starting up early in your career and you're just making, like, 20-something thousand dollars a year and you're living in a big city, there's a way to, like, stretch that so that you are not, like feeling like you are so desperate because you like learn how to manage your money right and you like have tools so that you can make more money off of that right and so I think that you're like removing the stigma from the conversation is really important because that's what it will teach all of us I mean it's horrible it's a full-time job I hate it I hate it it. (laughs) yes being an being an adult is a (laughs) full-time job that's like that's I hate sitting down I hate sitting down and going over my bank statements I hate like typing everything in to like keep track of my money and get it going into I know but you know like those are the good habits that you learn right and it's like when you when you're somebody who wakes up every day and you know how much money is in your bank account like I used to be the person that like 
from how anxious I was is how much money I knew I had. I was like, I never yeah. checked. I would swipe my card everywhere and it would be like three months since I checked my bank account. But I was like, I know, like, I know because of how anxious I feel. And then now I wake up every morning and I like fire up my phone and I look at how much money I have. And that make like, I don't need a Xanax to do that anymore. <laughs> I, check, I check my bank accounts like every two days and my credit card statements yeah. and everything. I know. It's like the habit, the habits of people who are like, you know, trying to be better with money but it's like if you don't know where you're coming from you cannot overcome any of those obstacles yeah and going through all of that stuff like in the you know in the morning um looking at what you have or having an app that budgets like so you can see how much you can spend each day and how much like goes into a little savings thing um there's apps that will do that for you uh, and it, it's, it, look, it sucks when you are sitting here and you haven't done any of it, it feels completely overwhelming. Um, even just starting and like going through I, the biggest thing was like going through my bank of America account and looking at, cause I would open it, look at the number, cry and then close it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was really a sad picture in my head, a visual. Oh, yeah. I was like, been there, been there. <laughs> but if you go through it, there's budgeting tools. There's like little things that can help you. I found that I had $215 in cash back for my credit card that I had no, I had never redeemed. Like it seems very overwhelming and it seems like crazy to start, but just like open a, a note on your phone and type in what all your bills are and they take a look at that number per month. And like maybe you're paying for a gym membership um, that you don't Right. Have. Or maybe you can get just the basic cable or you don't need cable at all nowadays. <laughs> There's just so many different things that you can do to save money. But you know what, Gabby, I'm going to say this. I mean, at one point I said, I just have to make more money. And yes. I actually ended up getting myself a bunch of different side hustles because we're all capable of doing that. We're all capable of figuring out ways to make more money, whether we go in and ask for a raise, whether we come up with some other side hustles, whether we go really hard for a certain amount of time with a goal in mind. I remember my ex-boyfriend was trying to buy a car and he just worked overtime for like two months mm -hmm. until he got enough money to be able to buy a new car because he needed one for mm -hmm. his job. You know, for myself, I was like, OK, I'm making this amount of money. I did go in and ask for a raise, but I also was doing side things like writing bios for artists and things like that. And at some point... In your situation, you have to say, okay, how can I make more money? Because we're all capable of getting some more money somehow. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of, I used to drive for Postmates. Um, there's like tons of little, I, oh man, I, I would, I was going to say I've sold clothes, but those people at the clothes selling places are so mean. I don't know. If it's <laughs> right. It's like when you go, you have to like look so cool or they will not take your clothes. Really? It's such a, oh my God. The, you know the economy of people who like buy clothes is like, that can be its own show. It yeah, is really? very stressful. <laughs> they, they hate everything you've ever owned, but yeah. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Gabby, do you have any, like, New Year's resolutions? Oh, gosh. I mean, uh, I think I just, I want to, I did just get one of those apps for tracking your bills. Um, and I, you know, and I canceled stuff. I can't, it'll show you, like, I canceled, oh, I was paying $9 for Dropbox. I don't need that. Or I was... I, you know, I was like, oh, I could switch to a cheaper gym or whatever. Um, I think just looking at specific numbers, like I, in the last week, I've using one of those apps dropped a lot of 
things that I didn't remember I was subscribing to. You're so right. I, I pay $25 a month for an iPad I don't even have. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't That's know. And crazy. I look at it, I'm like, oh, man, I got to call them and cancel this. And I always forget to do it. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> what are you? OK, so you're like doing the bills thing. Do you have like are you because we, we've talked about this like so much here. It's like what's your strategy for making sure that you stay on goal for the year? Like are you do you make like small actionable goals? Do you check in all the time? Are you like what's your accountability process? I mean, my accountant is very I get I like have like now like a Pavlovian hatred for getting an email from him like where I like <laughs> see his name and I'm like ugh what um <laughs> but he has my best interest at heart I'm just a baby but um I think uh it's nice that he will check in and my big thing right now is trying to figure out retirement because I I'm in entertainment and you don't know, like I've gotten a few big payments and I'm, you don't know when the next one is coming. You have no idea. And it's not like I make a certain salary every year. I could have a year where I don't make anything. I mean, maybe a couple thousand dollars, but like, so I have to have these, like, I have to, if I get these big numbers, I can't just think, wow, I'm rich. I have to be like, okay, now we have to put it away because you don't know what the next few months is going to be. So I've been really focused on retirement specifically because my parents don't have anything right. like they're not, they're not prepared, like they are not prepared at all. So I've been trying to now, like every time I get a, every time I get like $8,000, basically, I don't know why I picked that choice in my mind, but <laughs> every time I get like $8,000, I'm like, okay. And that $8,000 will go into retirement. So I'm like, try. And then I don't touch that. I can't take that out because the retirement fund you get you have like punishments for taking stuff out which is great but like I can't touch that and so I don't think of it as money I have I just think of it as I don't even have that money and then when I'm like 70 I'll be like remember all that money I put away hopefully you know what gave me a lot of confidence uh, when I was younger is I started my Roth IRA. It's a great feeling to give you some confidence that like, okay, I feel a little bit better. Like I'm doing something yeah. proactive. When I call, yeah, I call it my it. fake money because I'm just like, it's not real. And anytime <laughs> I get a statement, I'm like, that's just my fake money that I don't know about. And then one day it will be my real money. Yeah. So that's, you can't even think of it as money that you have. And like, there's tons of like the Roth IRA, the SEP IRA, like all of that is for self-employed people or people who have a bunch of little hustles or if they don't, you know, if they're not working a full-time job with a, with a 401k from their employer, there's like still ways you can save for retirement. And it's hard to, because I like, you know, you have this thing where I'm 29. So I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to live fast and I'm maybe not, I won't, you know, maybe I won't live that long. I don't know. Like, I want it's a terrible way now. to think, Gabby. No, wrong. We're going to be <laughs> here at here 200, <laughs> like still having to work side jobs. No, no it's like, I, <laughs> I and my dad, my dad is 71 and he's still working. And I just, I see that. And I'm trying to like, I think a lot of young people are trying to learn from their parents' mistakes. Right. Yeah, I I remember the first time I thought seriously about retirement because I will say very shamefully that I have cashed out a 401k and I am not, and I am like 31. Uh that's like probably my biggest money shame is I was like what? You the the penalty is 25%. I can take that hit. Like who cares? Let mm -hmm. me tell you. I mean, I really needed the money at the time, but it was not smart. It was it was not it's the dumbest money thing I've ever done. It's hard, it's hard to tell people who it's hard to tell people 
this has been the, the hardest part of my podcast and I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a bad with money book too. And the hardest part is telling people to not take out money like that or to not make these mis- quote unquote mistakes when Day-to-day life is a nightmare. <laughs> right. It's like, well, you know, like, here are the things I have access to. And the thing is that, like, now I've learned, I, like, you've talked a lot about, like, your manager and your accountant. And, you know, it's like, there's a whole team of people in place. How do you go about, like, finding those people in your life? Because I think that there are a lot of people probably who are listening who are like, I'm not important enough to have an accountant. Wrong. Everybody <laughs> should have Wrong. an accountant. Or, I, you know, it's like, how do you go about, like, like thinking about yourself more as a business. Yeah, because my uncle used that. to be my accountant until he started telling my whole family how much money I was making. <laughs> I had to go get my own accountant that's not related to me. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I think you can ask. I mean, it all just comes down to talking. I think you can ask for recommendations. I think I see people on Facebook all the time, like posting on Facebook, who are your accountants? Like recommend me some accountants. Like people will... I think you can go to your neighbor or go to your mom and dad or go to whoever and say, who, who is, who manages your money? Who works for you? Right. And it's like that stuff doesn't cost a million dollars. I used to think everything like I used to think everything cost a million dollars. You were like accountant, (laughs) one million dollars. I have to go to the doctor, one million dollars. I just can't do these things. But, you know, it's kind of like the price is right for your life. You just have to figure out like what are the numbers of these things cost. And it's like an accountant will cost you maybe a couple hundred dollars. And it'll save you a lot in the long run when you're not getting audited and you're not behind on your taxes. (laughs) And it'll save you a lot of hospital bills from stress. (laughs) they find write-offs like they'll mm-hmm. find stuff you know for you to like make your tax season you know you might get a refund you might find out that you could be writing off this thing that you weren't writing off so he like made me go through and was like how much gas have you bought and I was like oh that's awesome <laughs> like you just don't know these things it's okay to talk to people and kind of sound a little ignorant like I on my show I will have people on who are very important people and I'll ask them very basic questions right and it's, it might be embarrassing but like I had a woman on who does uh, an investment and my first question to her was what is a stock and she was like oh we're starting there huh okay <laughs> <laughs> but no but like truly right it's like if you don't know you don't know and also like there's no shame in not knowing yeah like, ask questions like all these people who are just like oh my god like you know what a hedge fund is i'm like i like i that's my perpetual quest is to find out like actually what a hedge fund does one day you watch billions um i'm watching billions and i still <laughs> don't get it <laughs> i'm like what what is the like all of this fake money but you know like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But there's no shame in not knowing. It's like this is how you find out about everything else in life. And don't be embarrassed to ask questions, too. If you're paying an accountant to work and handle your business, make sure you ask questions and make sure you pay attention. You know, don't just let them do your taxes and don't ask anything. I always go and sit down with my accountant so that we can sit together and go through it instead of me just having him send it over to me just because I can take that time out for my personal finances. I also, a big thing that I do with my accountant, and he allows me to do this, so ask, but I record. I'll, like, use my phone to record the conversation. And that way, if I can go back, if I'm, like, because it's, it's a lot of jargon. It's a lot of confusion. So I'll record the entire time that we're together, and then I'll go back and listen to it a couple times at home just to, like, really sit down with it. Gabby, one of the crazy things on your show was, like, learning that you can negotiate your college tuition. What are oh, God. What are like, first of all, please talk about that. And second of all, what are other like mind blowing things that you've learned? 
Well, okay, so I had a woman on uh, named Kelly Peeler, and she does Next Gen Vest, which is a company that helps uh, college students figure out like tuition and financial aid. And um, she told me that the number that the college is giving you for tuition is different for every person, and they're just sliding it across the table and seeing what you accept. That's you- bananas. I know. And then, so the power dynamic I always assumed was that the college would just, if you were accepted and you caused any sort of trouble, the college would just take away your acceptance. But I, I've learned from talking to experts that they, there's, they won't take, unless you get like a felony or something like a, you know, like they won't, they won't take it away. So if you negotiate, like for negotiating your financial aid or saying, Hey, look, you guys gave me you know, $15,000 in financial aid. What about $18,000? They might just go, okay, sure. Or if you go, hey, did you guys, I know you estimated this number. Did you guys take into account this other form that I sent you? And they might go, oh no, we forgot about that. And then they'll give you, like, it's crazy. I was like, I can't imagine the confident 18 year old who just slides the number back and goes, no, (laughs) it's like the number on the napkin. Here's how much I'm paying. So everything's negotiable. (laughs) And you know, even especially everyone at the school, nobody talks about it, but every student is paying something different based on forms and information the college has decided and whatever. And so you can go back to them and say, look, you think this number is acceptable. I'm this is this. And this is my family situation. I, I disagree. And they can look at it. And one thing I always stress, too, since we're talking about negotiating, is negotiating your salary, too. Or if somebody they, m- makes an offer to you. Mm-hmm. Never take the first offer. They're not going to yank the job away from you. Just right. like it's the starting point. Right. They expect ask you to actually me. come back and ask for more. <sighs> Man, I found out when I was working at my old job that a guy that had my same job, who I would say less talented than me, had was making $25,000 more than me. Woo! That would send me screaming. But you know, they say that women, and they've done studies, we don't negotiate the way that men right. do, and we don't ask for raises the way that men do. So that's why it's really important that we put ourselves at that table where you set up that meeting, or when they make an offer, you counter offer. You know, it's mm-hmm. really important to do that because we don't do that enough. And it's really important to, like, talk to the other women that you know about doing it as a group. Because Mm -hmm. the other thing that is true is that, like, when women negotiate, they come across as more, like, combative or more entitled. And that's, like, tied into so many attitudes about, like, women and power and money and all this stuff. And it's why it's so important that you're not the only person that's doing that in your office. And you're not, It's you know, it's like there's... We're, we're stronger when we hunt in packs and that's why like, you know, like we have to do these things together and the more people, the more women you have like in your industry and the more that are like climbing the echelons, the easier it becomes to like make all these things happen. Well, Gabby, what did you do when you found that out? Uh, well, we had all, (laughs) we had all the people that worked there, we had all, uh, gone out to dinner and we were like tipsy and everyone just started saying their salaries. (laughs) (laughs) that's like when the plane's about to crash and everyone yells out their salary but then it doesn't crash nobody is friends anymore everyone lost it people were like freaking out at the table there was like 10 or 10 of us at dinner and everyone just started screaming at different people's like salaries not at each other in a mean way just like and then someone would say a number and then someone we'd be like what's yours and then they'd be like 
okay. And they'd be like scared to say if it was more and everyone would erupt at the table. And like, it's crazy that that was so, uh, that felt like a transgressive thing for us to do. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm sort of like an angry little (laughs) nuisance. So (laughs) I just was like, that's nuts. And I was like, and then they told me, they were like, oh, well, he just came in and asked for that number because he had worked because they said he had worked somewhere else before and that was his salary. So he came in and was like, yes, that's why you always have to negotiate because then nobody will pay you less than you make right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. They want to match it. Where are places then that you like if you're not like white, straight, cis, able bodied, like all, you know, like. The, the the stereotype of like success in society or whatever where mm-hmm. like what are some of the best places to find those resources and advice for how you get like savvier about your money yeah um my podcast <laughs> that's right uh, that's right you have you got to say the name <laughs> bad with money guys <laughs> and then um there's a podcast called queer money that's done by two gay guys uh, who are they're together and they're financial experts. Um, and they kind of made their show specifically to, to talk to the people that they didn't really see at the conventions and stuff that they were going to. And, you know, it's, it's tough because there's this sort of thing uh, where if you are not that cis straight white man, able-bodied straight white man, like, there's these little things that are against you. Like, obviously, you know, the, the credit history of credit and credit cards has not been favorable to the black community. Uh, uh, that's a, that's putting it lightly. Um, and, uh, there's this whole thing where disabled people are not allowed to save more than $2,000 at a time. Otherwise they take cuts to their SSI. And that's like in place, that's been in place since like the eighties and Sheesh, it's not, that's crazy. yeah, it's not been in, it's not been adjusted for inflation. That's crazy. So, yeah. So there's a woman I spoke to named Carrie Wade, who's a disability activist. And she talked about how if she got married, she's disincentivized to get married because if she gets married and she combines her finances with her partners and it's more than $2,000, she might lose some of her disability income. So it's just like there's these things that try to keep certain people in in their place. Like there's no I just there's an article in the Denver Post that said there's no city in America where someone working a full time job, minimum wage job can afford a two bedroom apartment. And a lot of those people have children, so they need an apartment. But there's no city in America where they can they can do that. And even trying to get a studio, there's their numbers are not great. So, I mean, there's stuff where minimum wage and low income people are purposefully sort of kept down by rising housing costs, rising healthcare costs. Like it's tough to, it just hasn't caught up to each other. Like the, the pay, the pay and the, the like social systems and government assistance has not caught up to now. Can I ask you this though? Sometimes people say more money, more problems. <laughs> Do you feel uh, like there's any truth to that? There's definitely more to think about. I mean, I I don't know if I agree with that because I cried so much when I didn't have money. I just thought that was like a part of your day. Like I would just cry in my car all the time. I would cry because I, I wasn't thinking about it. Like I would not think about it. And then something would happen like, oh, you need to fix your brakes. And they'll be like, that's $200. And, I'll, and then I would be like, oh my God, $200. I haven't thought about $200 in months. So then I would cry 
Um, and it was just a lot of crying. And so I think I, I think I would disagree just because money certainly like they always say like, Oh, money can't buy happiness. It a little bit can. Yeah. Like it can buy a nice vacation. I know. And <laughs> My uncle always said, he's like only poor people say that. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm he's very a, heavy he's, he's a terrible human being there's that, there's that whole thing that like um nobody's ugly they're just poor <laughs> <laughs> glow up I mean yeah it's like I don't know it's like when I look when I look at the inventory of most of the problems that I have like money will solve all of them all of you them you know well I would say like 99% of them okay it's like some some problems you can just pay your way through that's and true. then it's yeah. just but it's like there's definitely more to think about and there's more to do and there's more people to talk to. The more you make, the more you end up spending, too. Obviously. Yes, of course. And and there's two things. There's two things at play. One is this um, the nobil- like the false nobility of poverty of being like, I'm poor, so I'm a better person. And like, I think a lot of people convince themselves of that because they think like, well, more money, more problems. Or they think, oh, rich people are all terrible. Or they think like, they think like, well, I, I don't want to get out of my situation because I mean, because I've convinced myself that it it doesn't buy happiness or it can't, but like, it can definitely, obviously you're not going to like fix your depression and anxiety. And like, if your brain chemistry is, is like genetically bad, money is not going to fix that, but it can pay for medication. It can pay for a psychiatrist. You know, it just can like ease a lot of stuff. So I don't necessarily think that it doesn't make your life easier and better. And there's all these studies that poverty is like the stress of poverty is literally killing people. Like it's literally causing physical harm to low income families. Um, And there's all this there's all this loss of dignity. Right. Like the idea of like waiting in line at the welfare office just to be rejected a lot. I mean, I read this book called $2 a day. It's about people who live on $2 a day in America, which is like more people than you would think. And a lot of those people don't even try to better their situation because they don't want to lose their dignity in the process. And there's a woman who's like, I can't go to an office and get rejected anymore. I just can't take it mentally. And like, I feel that I completely feel that. Um, And then the other flip side is the prosperity gospel, which is how Trump won, essentially. It's this idea that if you are rich, you are, you must be a good person. Like the people who have money have all earned it. They must be good people. I'm a good person. So one day I will fulfill my prosperity gospel and I will become wealthy because I am a good person or I believe in God or, you know, it kind of equates morality with wealth. And that's also false. <laughs> yeah, I as mean, we can see. <laughs> um, well, that's a that's a good place to end on. Gabby, thank you so so much for joining us today. Your podcast, oh, you. yeah, Gabby's podcast is called Bad with Money. She has a book coming out. Uh, do we have a title for the book yet? It's called Bad, Bad with, money. with Money. Oh my God, good branding. Uh, and the book, Bad With Money, look out for it, coming out soon. Uh, thanks so much, Gabby. Oh, thank you for having me. It thanks, so Gabby. And now it's time to know your numbers. Do your best, don't do the most. One big mistake people make when setting goals and making New Year's resolutions is trying to accomplish too much. Setting too many goals can cause you to lose focus and lead to you spreading yourself too thin. 
Psychologist Ray Baumeister and John Tierney say the average professional has 150 tasks to be done at any given time. According to a LinkedIn study, 63% of professionals use to-do lists, but another startup called I'd Done This found that 41% of to-do list tasks users inputted were never accomplished. Next week, we're going to kick off our Colorful Lives Profile series. We're profiling women of color who are making big moves in business and in their communities. And first up is our very own Angela Yee. Oh my gosh, I don't even feel like a guest like that. You know, I talk a lot about my business on this podcast. But you know what? We figured this time, let's show you. So I actually had a camera crew follow me around and come to my juice bar, Juices for Life in Brooklyn, so I can take you behind the scenes at my small business. So make sure to check out statefarm.com slash livecolorful on Wednesday, that's February 7th, to see the first video. And we'll be coming back with more every other week through April. We crammed in as much as we could, but now we are completely out of time. You can check back in two weeks for the next episode. It's going to be the Valentine's Day episode. Ooh, our favorite. I, I know, you're definitely not going to want to miss that one. <laughs> now, you know we're talking about $200 dates. Now, is that a lot or is it not a lot? $200 I mean, listen. all right, well, you might make sure you we'll, tune in because we we'll, are going to we'll get talk into about it. it. $200 I just, for a date. I'm like, who is paying $200 alone? Hmm. I don't believe in paying. So solo you want to go Dutch? Dates. I think you should go Dutch. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we're going to have some different ideas about relationship finances, and we're going to chat with Ty and Talat McNeely of His and Her Money. So make sure you check back next Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And don't forget, we want to make sure you are a part of the show. You can write us at colorfulliespod at gmail.com. There's two L's in full. So that's colorful with two L's, livespod at gmail.com, or text or leave a voicemail at 646 646- Five eight zero zero five seven six. That's six four six five eight zero zero five seven six. Or use the hashtag hashtag Live Colorful with two L's at the end of colorful. Colorful Lives presented by State Farm is a Loudspeakers Studios production. Colorful Lives is produced by Matt Raz, executive producer Chris Murrow. Our engineer and editor is Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other loudspeaker shows, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Facebook and Instagram. 